It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. The Vikings are 10-2, and and somewhere out there, the New York Jets are still struggling to score from the one-yard line. Uh, this is Arifa Sound of the Pro Football Network. I didn't prepare a pithy intro, so I guess I'll just say it outright instead of implying it. I hate Luke Braun. <laughs> so direct. What's up, everybody? I'm uh, Luke Braun NFL, and it turns out I am now favored over the Minnesota Vikings. Matt Derry also joins us to talk about Vikings-Lions next week. This is the crew today. It's the Minnesota Football Party. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings' Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. What is up, everybody? The Minnesota Football Party returns for a new week. I'm back. Luke Inman is out. I've replaced him back in the host chair. Luke Inman too ashamed at his 0-2 picks over the weekend to show up. Um, Arif Hassan, though, is here, Pro Football Network. He's at Arif Hassan NFL. Luke Braun of Lockdown Vikings and the Lockdown Vikings postcast at Luke Braun NFL. Um, plenty to come on today's show that I'm really excited about. I want to do some like 2019, 2022 Vikings comparison. That's the last Vikings team that won 10 games. Uh, what is going on with the defense? Why are they giving up 500 yards? And Matt Derry of Locked On Lions joins to preview next week's game, a possible clincher for the Vikings and the NFC North. Uh, make sure folks again to download Amazon Fire, Roku, and uh, download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app where you can get us in spectacular high definition on your massive television sets. And also like, comment, subscribe on YouTube, Locked on Sports Minnesota. Growing all the time. Let's get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of the season. We are closing in on that number. Arif, Luke, the Vikings are 10-2. and And they do it in similar fashion with a clenching your sphincter kind of win. 27-22, 27-22, having to withstand not only a second and goal from the one, third and goal from the one, fourth and goal from the one, but then another set of downs in the red zone just a few moments later 
and the Vikings stave it off. Um, Arif, I guess we'll get your initial thoughts. Your take on Vikings-Jets uh, yesterday. Uh, I'm I'm glad the Vikings are 10-2. and two. It is fantastic to be winning games. Uh, maybe they should have done a little bit more against Mike White. I don't know. Having a close game against a career backup is in uh, line with what the Vikings do. But, uh, you know, there were moments where I really liked the offense. But honestly, it should not be a five-point game. I mean, Vegas knew that it was, you know, going to be a pretty close game. Uh, but it should not be a five-point game, man. I liked Mike White a lot. I think Mike yeah. White could be a guy. I know that he had 26 incompletions like in the game. Guy? I think he could do yeah, I think if like you just gave a, him half of half a season, a, Mike White could do some stuff. Um I thought he was super decisive with the football. He was fear, he definitely wasn't scared of the moment or the stage or being on the road or being behind by 17 points. His receivers did him no favors. Should have had 400 yards in the game if guys that got their hands on the football could actually reel it in. I didn't think either interception was really his fault. The first one was tipped. The second one was just a play at the end that he had to make. I thought he was I thought I thought Mike White was great. I think he could be uh, a guy. Oh, I think he's oh, better than I'll Zach Wilson this. at this point. Uh because the Jets won't be picking in the top 5 unless uh, I don't know that did they trade for a pick? I don't know. I don't know how these picks work now. Everybody's traded for a pick is picking in the top 5. But uh, the Jets naturally won't be picking in the top five, uh, which means that they won't have uh, the ability to grab a, a quarterback right away. Obviously, that's good for the Jets because it means that they're winning. Um, so that means that the Jets won't be able to bring in a franchise guy, more likely than not. Maybe, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is hitting the free agency market. Maybe they trade for Aaron Rodgers or whatever. But unless they trade for somebody like Aaron Rodgers, I think Mike White has earned the ability to absolutely compete for a starting job. No question about that. I'm just skeptical about his like long-term long -term capability. Um, you know, he showed a lot of poise in the pocket. I, well, I think this was a game where both quarterbacks showed an extraordinary amount of grit and uh, had excellent receiving cores that did not live up, I think, to the reputation uh, for both of them. So um, mm -hmm. kind of kind of an interesting game from that perspective. Certainly, I think White earns consideration. I just am skeptical of his capability overall. Interesting. Luke Braun, what's, I didn't get a chance to answer this question from you on the postcast because you were, you were on the IR yesterday. Um, so I'll ask you today, what's your headline? Uh, my headline has got to be that Cam Bynum's playing stuff different now, and it led to two interceptions because he was the one that jumped on that first one, tipped it up, it turned into a tip drill. And then he made that last, the, the last interception was almost the same play. And he actually posted on Instagram, like the note that he got from the coaches that caused that, uh, where instead of when he's like the inside quarter safety, he's shuffling inside instead of backing off. And the Jets like kind of tailored their whole offense around that. And I mean, they got 500 yards, so like worked some, but it also led to two picks that turned out to be pretty critical to the ultimate outcome of the game. That is like my headline if only because it's boring to make the headline the same thing every week where it's like, ah, they got a 20 point lead and then blew it. Like, <laughs> yep. That happens every week. It was the same game over and over and over again. We're going to just going to melt down in every third quarter, all the way to the fourth quarter Super Bowl win. Well, okay. So I'll, I'll say, I'll say this. They, they had another one score game when they shouldn't have, 
but they they wrote the script differently it's like you know when you reboot a series and you kind of want to repeat what the what the movie is like and its essential elements but you want to keep the audience on your toes um, poetry, right? i don't know if you I don't know if you like. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say. I don't know if you. Uh, speaking of George Lucas, I don't know if you like The Force Awakens. I know a lot of people didn't, but a lot of people did. It kind of like how The Force Awakens follows a lot of the similar, a lot of similar beats to A New Hope, or if you're a purist, I guess just Star Wars, but A New Hope. Um, but it it is a it is a lot different in in many ways, right? In that. You know, the characters are a little bit different. You know, the Vikings uh, didn't struggle in the second quarter. They went off in the second quarter, but they kind of struggled in the first quarter. You know, the third quarter, that was basically the same. Uh, but they didn't lead a fourth quarter comeback. I mean, from a vibes perspective, you could say they did. But they uh, they certainly, wow, this, that's incredible. Uh, I, I love these Kairos. It's so good. Uh, but, you know, they, they held on in the fourth quarter as opposed to coming back from a fourth quarter deficit. So a lot of similar tension, a lot of kind of the similar storytelling, but the tropes that were deployed to get there, the path there was a little bit different. So I'll say that. A double doink, a Taylor Heineke pick, a uh, Josh Allen fumble in the end zone, a Braxton Berrios drop in the end zone. This is what separates the Vikings from being a 500 team. It really is remarkable when you think about the singular plays that could have swung any of these outcomes. Um, and that's an oversimplification, but that's kind of where we're at. Vikings are 9-0 and in one-possession games. Let's talk defense. The Vikings deserve credit for holding the Jets to 1 of 6 in the red zone and 3 of 16 on third down. Uh, I think that's all great. But the way the Jets moved the ball between the 20s, it was like, okay, we're just going to gift you a red zone possession by not tackling Bam Knight. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to tackle Corey Davis. The tackle was so bad. We're going to let, we're gonna let Garrett off. Wilson just run unabated down God. the sideline. We're just going to let you get in the red zone first, and then we'll, we'll take our chances. Is the defensive, and I'll call it ineptitude at times, is it Donatel or is it personnel? couple little little rhyming dynamic there give me your pie chart donatel versus personnel why is the defense the way it is uh i i, I think it's co-productive right i think that donatel is responding to the fact that the personnel aren't exactly what he would want for the defense that he wants to run so he runs a modified version of the defense to make up for that fact um that said i think that he's doing a poor job dealing with that right i think that he's not uh, building a good defense with the personnel that they have, and it's actually a little bit better than um, than he's giving it credit for. He's a little bit too committed to the idea of what he wants to do. So um, I, I do think that there are some good players. I think that the fact that, you know, Brian Esmo mixed in with Jordan Hicks, I think there's a reason. I think, you know, Jordan Hicks is not playing, you know, excellent football. But, you know, for the most part, the players are there to run a good defense, uh, and the defense is not being run very well. But it's very clear that Donatello is looking for something else and and i think that that has produced um the ability to hit a lot of these short and intermediate routes um at the cost of like you know they're preventing explosive plays and stuff like that yeah yeah i i look at the the scope of this personnel and i see a defensive line that does not have impactful depth um i look at corners and patrick peterson is having a nice year but there is not a shut-down corner in this group. You've got at least one of your inside linebackers that is not good at defending the pass, Jordan Hicks. And the other one, Kendricks, is, I, I think, weakening 
in that regard. So there are a lot of weaknesses on this defense, like amidst a, a couple of Hall of Famers, you know, maybe maybe three or four of them, depending on how Daniil Hunter's career ends up and, and Zadarius Smith's. But um, there, there are, are a lot of weaknesses, I think, on this defense. Like, I, I actually am inclined to say that it's like 60% personnel, especially because this defense struggled the previous two years with a similar core, and then they rearranged the deck. But I'm not sure that, that Donatel coming in and seeing them struggle kind of in a different way than last year, but seeing them struggle shouldn't be shocking after what we saw under Mike Zimmer. Luke Braun, agree or disagree with that? It seems to me like the biggest problem the Vikings have on defense is that th throw over the middle, whether it's a basic or a post or it's something splitting those safeties because the Vikings live in split safety looks, there's going to be room right in the seam between them. Um, the inability to punish that has been a huge issue. And Bynum being able to punish it, that's why I kind of said it was my headline because that pick in the end coming that way kind of is like a perfect little wrap-up to that story, at least for this game. Um, but if the Vikings really wanted to, they could switch to more middle-of-the-field closed looks and run there. They'll call it like a cover nine or, or a like three cloud or whatever. Um but switch to like single high looks where the middle isn't quite as open. And then that is going to probably destroy someone's game plan if they can ever get to it. But to get to it, they have to trust the corners. And uh, I don't know if you can do that. So uh, like, even if you get Dantzler back, like Dantzler, Patrick Peterson, we're putting more on their plate. We saw Patrick Peterson get burned again in this one. Thankfully, Mike White blew the, th blew the, uh, the throw. Um. So I don't know if that's the answer, but that's kind of what the answer has to be. And if that's not the answer, then I don't know if there is one. I think they just need to get better play out of that secondary. And I think the secondary has been so bad at times that it makes life impossible for that star-studded front four to do their job because you can get a 15-yard pass out in, in two seconds every time. Nobody's ever going to hit the quarterback that way. So it's sort of... I, I don't know if that's a scheme or a personnel thing because I don't know if it's correct to make the switch that it would require to fix that schematically. But the reason it wouldn't be correct is because of the personnel. So I don't know, make of that what you will, but it's the secondary. Uh, I'll add this. Um, I think that uh, when you take a look at these, you know, Fangio Staley style defenses, um, there's a lot made about how they, they play in too high a safety, but the whole point is that every snap starts off looking like it's going to be in too high safety and then it right, rotates, then rotate right? It, it can rotate, yeah. yeah. Which the Vikings are just not doing the same way that the Stanley yeah. and Fangio defenses typically did. Um, and like Luke said, I don't know if that's because of like personnel or whatever, but I would love to see Harrison Smith in the box a lot more often. I think he's very good at all of the mm -hmm. stuff that happens there. So <laughs> I would, um, and I mean, and he wants it. Like you could see him playing closer to the line of scrimmage than most safeties. It has just, like he wants it, right? But um, it, it would be nice to take advantage of all the yeah. things that he does well. I think that's one of the reasons the Vikings, before this game, were not incredible in uh, on third down. Yeah. Honestly, it seems like Donatel took all the stuff that they did do well last year and said, no, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do the good stuff you did last year. We're just going to make that more mediocre, too. Um, before Matt Derry joins us, let me pose this talker. This wasn't on the notes, but I thought about it, and I think it's an interesting question. The last Vikings playoff team that went 10 and 6 was the 2019 group. 
I think in retrospect, we don't view Mike Zimmer football teams as great playoff threats. That being said, would you take that team over this team? Based on what we know about this team now through 12 and what that team accomplished through 16, what team would you rather take into the playoffs? Because when you look back at 2019, fellas, the Vikings were killing teams. If you're a point differential truther, they beat eight out of the in eight out of those ten wins, they won by double digits. Like massive victories that season. They and Kevin Stefanski did more with less. He had half a season of Adam Thielen. He had basically a half Dalvin Cook for half of that season. And it was his first season as a play caller, and still it seemed like he made the most of that group. So um uh, quickly before Matt Derry, Arif, 2019 or 2022? Uh, is it going to be a close game? <laughs> that's that's kind of the, the only difference, right? No, I, I would take the 2019 team. I think uh, everything I've said about, you know, my concerns about the Vikings are reflected in the fact that we've seen, you know, good Vikings team win uh, win by, you know, double digits against, you know, bad teams and put them away. Um, I think the 2019 defense obviously was like way better, right, than this defense. But more importantly, the offense was like more consistent. Like, I don't know if this offense or, you know, Sam, you might be able to answer this better than I could. I don't know which offense is scoring more points. Uh, but certainly this uh, that last offense, that 2019 offense, was getting first downs from drive to drive on a more consistent basis. Uh, which helped out the defense, right? You know, they didn't have to keep on punting the ball away. So um, I yeah. would probably take that 2019 team uh, just because I think first, the defense is substantially better. The offense does not seem worse based off of my remembering of the 2019 season. So, yeah, I would take the 2019 team. It's not going to end up with a better record, but I'd take that team. That team was sixth in scoring percentage, which I think is a pretty big stat. Um, it just represents that they consistently move the football. This team, 18th in scoring percentage Eight. and three spots lower in uh, points scored. Luke Braun, your take on that? It feels like 2019 always felt like it was not going to, like, it was not as sustainable of a, I know sustainability has been like the whole thing here with the 2022 Vikings. But if you took 2019 and ported it into today, that team would get ripped, just totally ripped apart because they, the way that they won with like that bootleg heavy, that zone run thing, every defense has their package for it now. And I think that was really good for the kind of NFL meta of four years ago, but I don't think it translates very well, but I, I also kind of feel like it's not exactly the spirit of your question. Um, Here's what I'll say about the 2022 Vikings. I mean, this Pretty Vikings sure this could totally beat the 1972 there. Dolphins, man. It would destroy the 72. <laughs> yeah. So much more right. athleticism. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, if I remember, and check me on this, it wasn't didn't 2019 have like a pretty hilariously easy schedule, including like very similar backup quarterback thing that we have now, but like. <laughs> The, the games. Well, they lost to one against, of them. They like, lost to Matt they, Moore. They they famous. Yeah, okay, yeah. so better. Yeah. Okay, so if we play Chase the 49ers Daniel. in the playoffs and their backup quarterback, then you know we'd be a lot more worried if it were 2019 and it were Zimmer. So you have to be clear: who is the 49ers? They might play Brock Purdy in the. That could easily happen. <laughs> right. yeah. Who isn't? <laughs> who, who the, who's going to play quarterback for the 49ers that you're calling a starter? <laughs> it's Baker um, time, baby. 
But yeah, I don't know. That 2019 team, I think, underachieved based on its talent, so I guess you could take them. Uh, but also, they underachieved, so maybe you wouldn't, because I think they were better than 10-6, and 6, and this team isn't as good as 10-2. and 2. So yeah, somewhere in the middle, sure. Yeah, this team probably has a coaching advantage, though, which means something. Uh, we've got Matt Derry waiting in the wings. We're going to talk Vikings-Lions here briefly. Uh, but first, let me tell you about BetOnline.net. The Vikings covered yesterday. We know they covered because we followed the line all week, and they were minus 3.5. They won by 5, and they went, they went over-under on, I believe it was like 44, 45, the final number, and they scored 49. You can get those lines and more at BetOnline.net. That is your home for news, trends, analysis, all the lines from all the leagues. It's NCAA football and basketball, NBA and NFL. Vikings are favored by one and a half against the Lions. The starting point at betonline.net. Check it out on your laptop or mobile device. It's BetOnline. It's where the game starts. Let's see who was lucky enough to get invited to today's party. It's time to meet our guest of honor. He is the incomparable Matt Derry of Locked On Lions. Matt Derry's been doing the Locked On Lions podcast since the beginning of Locked On. He's one of the originals. Uh, Matt, welcome in. Good to have you. Appreciate that, Sam. I uh, I don't know about incomparable, but uh, hey, we'll take it. We'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> um, the Lions looked incomparable yesterday, a 40-14 to 14 win to keep the, uh, the NFC North hopes alive, or at least to stave off the Vikings clincher yesterday. Um, best Lions game of the year, Matt? Yeah, you know, and Dan Campbell said it yesterday after the game. He thought it was the most complete performance. I'll be honest, uh, I thought Jacksonville no-showed. So that helped the cause. Like, let's be honest here. Uh, that was a, not a good performance from the Jaguars. You could just tell from, from Jump Street, the Lions had more energy. The Lions were more physical. Got a turnover on the first possession, immediately came down the field and scored, and it was almost like the balloon popped for the Jags. But all in all, yes, uh, complimentary football, special teams good, defense really good, offense clicking with Jared Goff. One penalty the whole game, just a Jonah Jackson hold for 10 yards. Um, that was it. Um, all in all, a really good performance. Lions feeling good about themselves, uh, Luke Braun. Four out of five, baby, here we come. <laughs> yeah. Game a game for the division coming up. So I get my question is: Is this who the Lions are now? This team that's won four out of five, that's blown out bad teams. Is this is this who they are? I mean, is this the kind of team that if we get into a seven seed, we got to worry about them, or are they on sort of a a streak of their peak, and this isn't actually their mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if teams need to start worrying about the Lions yet, but we, I'll say this: They play hard every game. They're very physical. They wear you down. Uh, their old line is excellent. Uh, we've talked about this in the past, Luke, and. I think now they're starting to, to come into their own. Are they as good as the Vikings? No. They're an underdog for a reason this week. Only a point, point and a half, as Sam pointed out. But They are not. Uh, they're, they're coming They're coming together. They are favored. It, it, got, and there's guys the that are, are improving. The Lions are favored. As of this moment at Bet Online, the Lions are favored by a point. Yes. Let's oh, move, go. As of this recording, that I'll move around. <laughs> Regardless, they look good and... Uh, even in the loss, and I was a little bit critical of them on Thanksgiving because I thought that Buffalo game, and you guys all saw it, that they should have won that game. I don't know what they were doing at the end with the clock and everything else, mm -hmm. uh, poor clock management, timeout management, and it cost them because they left Josh Allen too much time, but they're right there with Buffalo, and Buffalo's really good, as you guys know. So, um, yeah, they're starting, to, they're starting to click and get it together. 
I can't believe the Lions were able to do so much without their best player ever seeing the field. Jack Fox left in the cold could only hold. Uh, but um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I do really like how complete that Lions team is. Uh, just in terms, you take a look at that receiving core. Jameson Williams, I imagine, is going to get a little bit more work this week um, as he kind of reacclimates to football shape. Um, so great receiving core. Obviously, you mentioned that good offensive line. Um, they're very happy with their running backs. Um, tight end, for some reason, a little bit weaker than starting the season, but I think that they're okay with that. Um, do you think that with Jared Goff at the helm, and I know that he threw that really nice 41-yarder to DJ Chark. That was really cool to see. But he also had one of the lowest average depths of target in, in the league this week, right? Do you think that with Jared Goff at the helm, this type of explosive offense can continue to happen? Because it's been happening all year. I mean, like DeAndre Swift has been an explosive plays leader. But it, it just feels like that is something that other teams that have relied on explosive runs, like the Browns, the Jets, the Colts, they've all lost that, right, as the season has gone on. Do you think that that kind of explosive offense can continue, especially as, you know, we get we get closer and closer to the playoffs? I mean, look, I, I think eventually teams are going to start watching the film and, and, and pushing their safeties up a little bit more. I, I know that Jared Goff has never been a great deep thrower. Um, and you're right, this sort of dink and dunk offense. But for some odd reason, Amon Ross St. Brown is unguardable. And it's not like he's going deep. Like you said, it's... It's, you know, medium routes. It's quick outs. It's, you know, old school backyard button hooks. And he's open every single time. Uh, DeAndre Swift is a home run hitter that they don't really put in positions to hit home runs yet. But it's, he's now finally getting more touches because he's healthy. Jamal Williams is that power back. Um, they kind of want to just grind it out this way. And the way Jared Goff, the efficiency he had yesterday, just just 10 misses, the, the passer rating of 118 at halftime. I think he finished at 115. He's now top 10 there. It's working. And Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, people are mentioning to be a future head coach. So uh, there's some creativity. There's some power. There's some finesse. Um, and now DJ Chark coming into his own played well yesterday. And like you said, Jamison Williams is, is coming. So uh, I think I expect them to kind of unleash him a little bit more this week. Then that would open things up to a lot more options for this offense, but it starts up front. The O-line has been really, really good. I've got a thought exercise for you, Matt, and I'll open the floor to Luke and Arif if they want to chime in. Could you power rank which team you would want to have from the NFC North going into 2023? So 2022 is going to play out. Vikings probably win the division. Who knows what they do in the playoffs? Going into next year, You've got the Vikings and their, you know, aging kind of bloated cap situation. You've got the Lions playing good football. You've got this enigma, Justin Fields, coming into his own. And you've got the Packers and the mess that they're in. So give me a top four going into next season in the NFC North. Um, well, I mean, are we allowed to talk about Hall of Fields on this show? I mean, isn't he the GOAT? He's the greatest ever. Loses every week. I, where's Dan Olavson beating, beating that drum for MVP? Oh, my God. How about that fourth quarter yesterday? Hall yeah. of Fields. <laughs> I am so tired. I mean, he's a good runner, but my God. The league's figuring him out. By the fourth quarter every week, he's throwing an interception. But, you know, everybody in Chicago. I've listened to Chicago sports radio. It's stunning to me what they think of this kid. It's like, we've got Joe yeah. Namath here. We've got. 
Dan Fouts. Oh, we've boy. got Lamar Jackson. We've got Michael Vick. It's like, really? Because you lose every week. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't get that off. Doesn't this chat. enhance so their Chicago situation, last. though? Because it gives them that high pick. They're, they're, oh, they're losing. God, say yeah, He's maybe they can get a quarterback. And it. they've got the high pick. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, the Bears situation is probably better from a draft perspective than Green Bay's. And look, the Lions are in great shape. How about the Rams? They, they're tanking. So, but they're tanking for nothing because the Lions have that pick. So Detroit could give a top three, have a top three pick. And they're still talking this talent. They'll get their quarterback. But to me, the way golf is playing, the way that they talk about golf internally uh, down in Allen Park, it's, as I have it behind me, 222 Rodwood Drive. Um, I think golf isn't going anywhere, but the Lions will have a high pick. But I, to answer your original question, Sam, I mean, I still think Minnesota would be good coming in next year. I like the young secondary you guys have. I, I think the O-line's better. I know that the cap situation is not great, but as long as Justin Jefferson is still out there, um every week i would say minnesota but i do think detroit is coming and then i would say green bay in, in chicago and i know that people in chicago are thrilled with Phil, fields and the new gm and they're going to have some picks and everything else but um that's how i would rank it right now i still think the vikings are the team to beat and yeah uh they seem to have it together which is nice to see yeah well with fields it's easy to kind of talk yourself into he's on the tua and the hertz trajectory right? Like going into the third year, he's figuring out how to use his athleticism. Now they can go buy him weapons. They've got a hundred plus million dollars of cap space. They can like buy a defense or they can buy him, you know, talent to, to catch passes. So they're going to enhance things around him the way that Philadelphia did with Hertz. I, I love the Bears situation and I like the Lions situation. I honestly think the two kind of mainstays, if you will, the the Minnesota Green Bay, those are the more unenviable situations. And that's mm -hmm. why if you're a Vikings fan, I mean, you got to hope they're all in this year because this is this is your ticket to have an easy division championship, you know, build up a great record, get a good seed. But I mean, I don't know if it's going to be this easy for the Vikings <laughs> ever again. This is unprecedented. Yeah, I don't know about I'm so sick really, of hearing really about is. how good the Bears situation is because of all the cap space they have. I'm so sick of it. It's they've got a hundred million dollars and they need to buy an entire roster. They're on a crash course to a bloated salary situation. At least the Vikings are already there. I don't know. It works out for the Jaguars every year. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I don't know about <laughs> 2023. Let's but, go. But but uh, but 2024, I think I'd probably take the Lions for sure. Like I think that that's. I think all the contracts with yeah. the Vikings are up. I don't think that there's any way that they'll be able to recover those contracts. I think a lot of those players age out. Um, the draft pick situation is not amazing. The Lions draft pick situation for people that they'll develop into 2024, that 2023 stuff looks really good. I really like a lot of those players. Those players are under contract for quite a while too. So 2024, I think the Lions are number one in terms of how you expect that season to go based off of the extremely limited knowledge we have partway through the 2022 season. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's probably going to be one of the more interesting divisions to follow for a while, just because of, you know, mm -hmm. the Lions situation, which kind of reminds me of the Jets, everybody on the roster is good, except the quarterback. Um, and I guess, I guess the quarterback is good now too. I guess we're, we're leading into that. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that is, that's kind of fun, especially because of, of how young it is and how much investment there's been along the offensive and defensive lines and, and how, um, the investment that they've made, you know, however scant at receiver and at 
um, and a defensive back are paying out in big ways, right? With Jameson Williams and Kirby Joseph and Jeff Akuda. Like there's there's some really exciting stuff in the pipeline for them. No, yeah. there is. Hey, Matt. And if Detroit fans, Detroit fans, I'm sorry, were able to hear this, I mean, they would be so thrilled to hear that people outside of Detroit are high on where they're going. Brad Holmes is a, you know, would now be a fourth year GM reef in the year you're talking about. So it's like, it's a lot of, it's a lot of opportunity, which is good. Again, though, can the Lions get over the hump? Um, can they make the right call? You know, it took them two years to finally get a kicker, <laughs> you know, with, with the money badger. Um, the golf familiar. situation, how is that going to play out? Just two. Um, but, you know, <laughs> right. But I mean, uh, right now it's good. But again, and ask me again in a couple of weeks because it was just, what, three, four weeks ago they were sitting at one and six and I was ready to quit the podcast. I'm so I was like, I can't do this anymore. They can't be one and seven. <laughs> they end up getting that home win over Green Bay and starting off a four out of five run. But we'll see where this you're, you're goes. You're not a Dan right Campbell now, guy. Yes, you're so. not. <laughs> you, you, you're going to quit after one and six. Dan Campbell doesn't want you on the roster. <laughs> I, well, I know, but I was just I got so tired of it. It was it was more of a bit on the air, but I wasn't going to really go quit. I don't yeah. think. But it's it's been fun. But again, let's see them. What, let's see what happens this weekend because I think a lot of people are saying, "Oh, we can beat the Vikings," and I, I think the Lions can. And Luke and I will talk about it on our crossover on Thursday. Um, but but I, they have to actually do it. You know how many close losses have they yeah. had to the Vikings the last couple of years? Right. Um, the Vikings made two draft day trades. Uh, number one, they basically gave the Packers Christian Watson with a trade and Christian Watson is right now shoving it in their face from afar and how, how much potential he has. Uh, are the lions going to do the same thing on Sunday with Jamison Williams? I know he only played eight snaps, but I assume that number is going to increase every week. Uh, what do you think he can do for them down the stretch? Oh, I was, that was the only disappointing thing from yesterday, Sam. Uh, I wanted to see more. This talk of him being a gunner on the punt team, and they never had to punt, so we didn't have to see that. But he basically was a decoy. They Jesus. threw one ball to him. Um, I want to see more, and this is the week to do it. You know, I saw some Jets receivers getting by behind your corners yesterday. Garrett Wilson had a big day, and then there was the one miss that White had late in the game. Um, but I would love to see Jamison Williams. I'd love to see more. Unveil him this week. Unleash him this week. But the other receivers, it's like, who's coming off the field? Josh Reynolds has been good. Amon Ross St. Brown's a pro bowler. DJ Chark was really good. They love Khalif Raymond. They've got a lot of options. So it's it's a nice problem to have. That receiver room a year ago was brutal. Uh, but I would expect Jamison to to get more snaps this week. He's ready. He is. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about the uh, um, TJ Hawkinson revenge game coming? How, how are those three touchdowns going to go down? <laughs> uh, that That is something that is vintage Lions. It's happened many times. Uh, I was expecting the Marvin Jones revenge game or the Riley Patterson revenge game yesterday. Heck, even Jamal Agnew, wow. the amount of former Lions on the Jags roster, and it didn't happen. But the Lions have, have had issues over the last couple of years co uh, covering tight ends. It's been a little bit better. Um, God, was it Kyle Rudolph you guys used to have that always had a touchdown against the Lions uh, for years with Rudolph the Vikings? Would, so I would expect always Hawkinson specifically to, the Lions, yeah. Yeah, the Lions <laughs> to have a decent game. So we'll see. Kirk Cousins and Kyle Mary sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. That's right. Uh, Dan Campbell right, secure, we, Se secure for next yeah. year. And now that they've, okay. Oh yeah. He would have, let me tell you this, Sam, he would have been secure if this team was at, what are they? Five and seven. He would have been secure at three and nine. 
this ownership going history. I mean, you're talking about Sheila Hamp running the team now. Her mother ran the team before that, and her father ran the team before that. They gave Wayne Fonts a long time, Matt Millen a long time. Heck, they gave Matt Patricia a third year when the whole world knew, abort this, get this, get out of this thing. It's two years and out. And uh, they gave him a third year, and it was a disaster. So Dan Campbell, they love him. Uh, very popular in the building. And he's he's got a six-year deal, remember, two guys. So he's not going anywhere. Yeah. Last question, Arif. It's yours. Sure. Uh, when you take a look at that defense, you know, I, I mentioned that obviously the defensive lines received a lot of investment. Plus, uh, I want to say there's like three defensive linemen that are that are currently on injury. So it's even better than it looks right now when it when it's fully healthy. But um, that the rest of that group, you know, especially at linebacker, I know the Lions have been trying to find a linebacker for a while. Um, I like uh, was it Malcolm Rodriguez. I like what he's been able to do, but it just feels like an incomplete group is that is that an area that the lions just emphasize a little bit less i know that that's kind of like a modern thing a lot of defenses are doing or is it just eh, we can't find a guy so uh we're going to keep trying we're going to keep going after it or or how exactly is that defense going to shape up going forward now that the defensive line is mostly rounded out i would say brad holmes going back to his rams days when he was just the scouting guy and he was in less needs ear i think he helped push for mid to late round picks as linebackers uh, they elected to bring Alex Anzalone back after last year. Many of us were like, what are you doing? Why? But again, he's kind of a leader and was named defensive captain, but he's not a great player. Malcolm Rodriguez obviously was a late round pick. He's had a tremendous year, uh, still a little bit limited in what he can do from a speed perspective and maybe in coverage, but he's been pretty good. Derek Barnes, another fifth round pick, fourth or fifth round pick from two years ago. Um, you know, big 10 guy, Chris Spielman loves, um, he has an opportunity. So, yeah, they don't have, you know, many of us, including me, were, were, were fawning over a guy like N'Kobe Dean who kept falling in the draft. Why not the Lions taking him? They didn't. Uh, they want to they beef up the D-line, continue to add down linemen. All of a sudden, James Houston, a six-round pick, is coming on. They'll get Romeo Quara back this week, a guy. So that'll be big for them on the pass rush to go with Hutchinson and Pascal and Aleem McNeil and some of these others. So uh, Brad Holmes likes to collect D-linemen and D-tackles. Um, and even edges to an extent. So that's kind of where they're headed. But um, Okuda's been good, like you said, and so is Kirby Joseph. So it's starting to round into form a little bit. It's been a much improved defense over the last five weeks. At Derry Speaks on Twitter, Matt Derry, Locked on Lions. Last time you joined us, Matt, the power went out on everybody. We, we lost you. So I'm glad we completed this interview, and it was great to get your insight. Thanks a lot. Anytime, guys. See you Thursday. The crossover, Locked on Vikings and Locked on Lions. Check that out. Um, we're going to talk Kirk Cousins after I tell you about Locked on Sports today, which, you know, it's just a great show. It's uh, from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked on can provide. Locked on Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Kirk Cousins yesterday wobbly i would say would be the word to describe it we we saw some of the accurate accuracy like issues levels. that had plagued him throughout the year might have been you know physically a little wobbly after a hit he took where he really instigated some some head-to-head -head contact he uh he uh, one of the more impressive scrambles honestly that, that we've seen from him but on the whole 
Kirk Cousins is still, if we want to talk about comparisons between 2019 and 2022, um, he is not delivering as consistently as we've seen in the past. What's missing? What is the missing ingredient from Kirk that, that we need to see to believe in Kirk going into the postseason? Um, so I'll, I'll say this. So I don't think Kirk Cousins played phenomenal, but I think that the statistics that he ended up with don't do him justice in terms of how well he ultimately played, right? Like, I think we have to take into account that, I don't know what the, I think the PFF pressure numbers were off or something like that. I, I don't remember. Maybe they've changed now, but, um, you know, he took like what, nine quarterback hits in, in that game. You know, he was under a ton of duress, um, and receivers were dropping passes uncharacteristically. That said, I don't think he played very well right like that that is on top of it but but certainly i i do want to recognize that while this certainly is not his best performance of the year or anything like that might be his grittiest right like there's there's a lot there to kind of like from you know yeah what people have been criticizing kirk cousins for right so that's fair what's missing is i don't think that the standard offense is still very comfortable for him we talked about this a couple of weeks ago you know where he's holding on to progressions either too long or too short you know he's still trying to figure out what the offense demands of him in terms of what that read is going to look like for him um he defaults a little bit to just throwing it to justin jefferson whenever which uh has worked out you know three uh, two of the three two of the past three weeks this week it didn't work out nearly as much uh obviously the vikings ended up with a win so no one really cares but um, it, it very much seems like he's not fitting the mold of the offense very well. And I had hoped at this point in the season that his like standard dropbacks on first and 10 would look a lot more like we're used to seeing from him, like say in the 2019 or even 2020 season, which might've been even better for him, even though the season was worse, right? Um, I, I would say that it, the offense and him are just not on the same page in terms of what his responsibility is supposed to be. I would like to see, you know, some of the old school stuff that, that Luke was talking about that, you know, would get him lit up, right? The the bootleg stuff where, you know, the league has done a better job closing those down. I'd still like to see more of it, right? Like it it, it is some of his best football, even if the league is doing a better job closing it down, because right now it is just kind of an uncomfortable and awkward experience watching this offense from time to time when it's not the scripted portion. Yeah. Hey. The script yesterday worked. Three plays, one yard, field goal. Opening drive points. <laughs> there you go. The Vikings. There you go. Opening drive points. Yeah. Cash to prop A lot bet. of career lows. A lot of career lows, <laughs> though, on the old Kirk Cousins uh, pro football reference. QBR, uh, yards per attempt. It's either low or, like, bottom two in his career. Screen game. I know this isn't everything. Screen game remains abysmal. I do the check-in every week. He is the second worst, and this is not on Kirk. This is a coaching and scheme issue. Second worst screen game quarterback in football, just above Kenny Pickett. That was a Stefanski special to draw that 2019 comparison once again. But some of the accuracy stuff, though, guys, that's not a scheme issue. He does not need to miss receivers on the sideline high um, just because it's a different scheme. So that that does feel controllable and and at Kirk's sort of, ability to fix Braun, your thoughts yeah accuracy is what i was going to say that what the accuracy we're used to getting from kirk cousins just has not been there this year um it's led to interceptions on some rare occasions but there's a lot of stuff that just goes sailing out of bounds or it has led to moments like the crazy justin jefferson catch in buffalo where he comes on the podium later and says that one was higher than i wanted it to be um there was one that was almost a no crazy sideline toe toe tapper to adam thielen in this game against the jets couldn't haul it in 
that did not need to be that far high, high and outside. That catch didn't need to be that hard. Um, I don't know what it is, what is causing it. Like, what's the problem with his mechanics or whatever? Uh, but it's it, it's just coming out high on him a lot. I don't know if that's he's trying to be too safe or something, or if there is some general like hitch in the way that he like cocks his shoulders before a a throw or something. But they're coming out high on him, and it just has not been as consistent in that area for all the other things that we haven't that Kirk Cousins in a good way hasn't been like old versions of Kirk Cousins that's in a bad that that's a bad one it's just so weird looking at some of these numbers and that this is Kirk Cousins best start ever most successful team ever and like even the offensive line stuff I mean he's got the second highest sack rate in his career as a starter um 6.3 percent and even though it feels like he's been more mobile he's still taking a lot of sacks Interception percentage, you know, 2%. That's about third worst in his starting career. So it's there's a lot of bad stuff that you look at with the numbers that, that isn't kind of tangentially what you would uh, what you would consider if you just watch the games with your eyes. You would say, okay, he's more mobile. He's more clutch. You know, he's getting the ball downfield sometimes. But the numbers are definitely painting a different story. Um, I thought that some of the plays where he hung in yesterday, though, were awesome like the the 38-yarder to Rager, that is that is a really tough play. Um, that, and even though it was underthrown. Was wild. Yeah. Yeah, no, you were about to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was pretty underthrown, and, and Rager did a ton of work to make that work. But uh, cool? Like, <laughs> I don't know. That I was really <laughs> yeah. worried that, you know, because coming out, coming out of his hand, his body was in such – because he's not an off-platform thrower. Like, w one of his skill sets over the years has been that he does a really good job resetting really quickly and establishes a mechanical base when he throws, even when he's throwing on the run, even when he's throwing under pressure. Like, that is something that I think goes underrated for him because he's not generally considered an athletic quarterback, and that's 100% an athletic skill. But that one does not look like the throws that he makes when he's under duress. He was way off platform. He's not an off platform thrower. I was so worried that that was going to be a pick and we'd have to talk about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> Rager, Rager looked back, found out where the ball was going, got it really nice. And, but also, you know, credit to Kirk on a ton of those throws as he's getting absolutely destroyed. Like he's disintegrating in the pocket as a human, right? Like, he, like it's, it is unreal how much damage he took in that game. So for sure. Yeah. Yep. The third down pass to Thielen, too, where he got clocked and then actually showed some pain getting off the field, too. That's something to, to monitor, yeah. see if he pops up on the injury report, maybe limited or even full fashion. Um, they could still list him. Um, I'm guessing the Vikings wouldn't want to because you don't want to, like, expose your quarterback if he's got an injury of any kind. But we'll see. We'll see how they handle that. Um Anything else in yesterday's game? I feel like there were a lot of unsung heroes and no, like, big, like, major heroes. There were kind of a lot of guys that made one or two great plays that contributed to the win. Um, I do have a, a little four-minute drill topic. Why don't we do that before we do party fouls and call it a day? Uh, let's run the animation match, four-minute drill. Start the clock. It's time to execute the four-minute drill. Yeah, it's that time of year. It's time to start thinking about the Pro Bowl. How many Pro Bowlers do the Minnesota Vikings have, or should they have, on this roster? Let's start with Lucas Braun. Pro Bowlers on the Vikings. You have one minute. Well, they have, if I recall, five 
players who are uh, like leading in Pro Bowl voting, a bunch of special teamers, but those count. You got like Chris Boyd, Ryan Wright, and um, I think Andrew Tapalo, which is really funny. Or no, Kenny Wongu. Kenny Wongu, of course. Um, DePa- that all DePaulo feels good to too, me. I, I think. I think he is. He, was he? One. Yeah. All right, four it is. You can vote for long uh, snappers now? I thought they, they just took them with them. I have no idea. Okay. Maybe that's what sure. it is with like Ryan Wright. But so four, we'll say one way or another. Uh, put Justin Jefferson in there. Put Christian Derrissaw in there. That would be six. I would put Zadarius Smith in there with the season he has had. Um, I would not argue if you put Daniel Hunter in there, but I get it if you want to say, ah, he was kind of, you know, a little too quiet for the first parts of the year, blah, blah, blah. If you wanted to do that, uh, that's fine with me. I will say those are the... Oh, Harrison Smith will probably make it on like name recognition alone, which, you know, this is the Pro Bowl, not a serious institution. So that counts. So seven. Serious institution. Um, yeah, to the Harrison seven. Smith point, I'll, I'll say seven is a lot. Four of, uh, all, four of them on special teams. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I keep on not writing in Chris Boyd, even though I probably should. Um, you know, somebody's got to take the, the Matthew Slater role, right? But... Um, I will say that Harrison Smith is probably going to get in in part because of name recognition and in part because I think he's second in the league in picks right now behind uh, CJ Gardner Johnson. If I want, if I remember that correctly, if I remember the Chris Thomason tweet correctly, um, he's tied for second in picks. Plus, he has the name recognition. Both of those will help put him over. So um, he'll probably make it. I would say that because of the position he's been put in, um, he's not playing at a Pro Bowl level, even if he has Pro Bowl quality talent still left in him. If that makes sense. Um, Christian Derrissaw absolutely should make the Pro Bowl based on his current level of play. Uh, Justin Jefferson, absolutely. Um, there's no question about that. No one's going to argue that. Kenny Wangu right now is the league's best kick returner. That could change. I mean, it's a kick return. You know, it's a very low-frequency um, event. I would like to see another uh, touchdown return. Ryan Wright deserves to make it. Zedaria Smith deserves to take it. I, I don't know that Daniel Hunter does, right? I, I think that Hunter actually had a really great game against the Jets. Um, but I, I think that because those first five weeks were such a struggle for him to to produce as much of an impact, and I was defending him those first five weeks, but I, I think that he hasn't put together a Pro Bowl resume. So I think I'm going to stick with those. Um, it's it's going to kind of suck not seeing Kirk Cousins make it because that's like part of the thing. You know, he always produces the statistics that justify a Pro Bowl, and everyone like feels uncomfortable voting for him. And now it's just like I don't even know about that. Oh, worthy. Well, now that they've changed the Pro Bowl to just like a just a hangout competition kind of yeah. kind of thing, there's going to be fewer guys that yeah. turn it down, right? Like because that does yeah. happen from I time would, to time. Yes. Yeah. Um. So I think that Jefferson, Darisaw, and Zadarius should be shoe wins. And then I think, and I, I'm just going based on deserving. Like I think name recognition is one thing. Deserving. Wang Wu, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know if I can name a better kick returner, but also how many had how many kick returns has he had? How many kick returns has he had or like beyond the 30 yard be line? Yeah, I mean, he's probably he had the touchdown and he's maybe had one more that was notably good, but otherwise it's it's a really thankless job in the NFL today. So it's hard to definitively say whether he'll make it or not. Um, I think that Andrew DePaula, to my knowledge, that is on the strength of a radio campaign he does a weekly interview with 93x and they've been pitching andrew DePaula pro bowl voting all year and i believe that's why he's leading oh that rules and i love it i love yeah. it yep play that game i would say the most <laughs> deserving Whatever, specialist man. though i think is ryan wright i think ryan yeah, yeah, wright yeah. has been super 100%. impactful on special teams majorly 
This is the gambling situation this week, and it features perhaps the greatest cover of the season, or at least the, the most unlikely cover. Um, I put a thousand mythical dollars on two games yesterday, trying to dig out of a hole. Now the first game went pear shaped when Lamar Jackson got hurt. I had the Ravens covering minus nine and that went badly. They won, but they didn't cover. So that's a loss. So I'm staring 0 and two and a $3,000 deficit in the face giants and Washington. I have under 40 and a half. Washington ties it at 20, end of regulation, headed for OT. My only path to you a cover must have been livid. is a tie. The livid sweat? At the, at the, at the oh 2020. Oh, my God. Yes. A 10-minute Exhilarated. Sweat. Exhilarated we're, we're at that final. only have an incentive to score a field goal. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, second life. I mean, I've been, I've been given a great gift from the gambling gods. Pretty astonishing. Um, nonetheless, I'm still trailing by a lot. I'm still negative, but I'm not as negative as I could be. <clears throat> Luke Braun. <laughs> Luke Braun, you went 0-2. Good. Luke Inman went 0-2. So the Lukes Good. go 0-4. Arif Hassan, 2-0. Here you come. Climbing on hey. back. I should, I should be in the lead I now, right? Yeah, I don't have the... I haven't you calculated never, never the, the, the new standings. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, but I but think my, I, I think that you are in the lead. I think you are in perfect. The lead. Yeah, with those with the Luke's going on too. Yeah. Um. So I'll 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 come back on Thursday with some big bets again, and try to catch up to you, Arif. And I mean, if I would have been, because remember, this contest is trying to avoid losing. So if I yeah. had been three thousand in the negative, you guys would have just bet the minimum, probably. I mean, you would have made it so hard on me to come back, and as it is now. Uh, I'm still within shadow oh, distance. So that's big. Luke Inman is not the world's most strategic better in that regard. It, it took me explaining my strategy for him to change his. He he might still bet a lot in that scenario. Yeah. If he gets a good a good feeling on the Jaguars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, final segment of every show is our party fouls. We also have some fun animation for that that really makes a reef laugh. Let's watch it. It's time to tell you who spilled their proverbial drink on the sofa. Get ready for this week's party foul. Dude, that dude looks devastated. Like, it's like <laughs> one thing is a party mistakes. foul. Yeah, that guy lost yeah, his He life. just ruined a like, marriage, that's what I happened. think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you always pick me even though I have the most serious party fouls. That's who I am. So uh, have fun following this. My party foul is Deshaun Watson. Let's ignore all the previous, uh, let's call them party fouls that led to this moment and Jesus ignore them. And what, it's in the spirit of the segment. And uh, say that his party foul in this particular <laughs> week was his refusal to answer any questions related to why he was suspended or what he was gonna do. And the fact that he had leaked that, um, or, or somebody in his party, leaked that he was making significant progress in his counseling while at the same time maintaining that he never did anything wrong and also making previous statements multiple times that he never needed any counseling because he never did anything wrong. Um, not answering any questions as to what he might have done wrong, any lessons he might have learned, what his counseling even covers, how he could make progress in counseling if he's not going to admit that he did anything wrong. That's all a party foul to me. 
that's gross. And the fact that there are some people in the media that are running cover for him, for example, leaking stories that he's making progress or trying to run positive stories about how Kevin Stefanski immediately flew to Deshaun Watson's lawyer's office to draw up plays for him. Uh, that all sucks. That's bad. And I hate it. Party foul on Deshaun Watson and everybody involved. So I'll follow that up with one on the field. Uh, look, if you are, if you're, if your season is circling the drain, say you, you've got like seven losses already and you're on the road against a tough team and you're down by two points, you're in the game headed into the fourth quarter. You cannot under any circumstances with no excuse, give up 33 points in a quarter. Oh my goodness gracious. Indianapolis Colts. (laughs) They needed that so bad. Like, that was their last grasp. They're 4 8 and 1 now. It's over. It was probably over before. But not like, not only was it letting the Dolphin or the, the Cowboys offense go down the field on you, but the turnovers and the turnovers. Matt Ryan, at least do it. It's just right? awful. It's, yeah. oh, it's so done for him. Oh my God! The fumbles, the interceptions, touchdowns off of them, or immediately proceed, or, or immediately uh, following them. Like that's one of the worst collapses I've ever seen. And I've been watching the Vikings for my whole life. That was <laughs> incredible. They could have had a thirty-point is... lead going into the fourth quarter and lost. Does this implicate Jeff Saturday at all for you? I, not against any expectations. Like we. Well, okay, but like, see that coming? (laughs) (laughs) Like, should the Colts consider him at the end of the season to be their long-term coach? Is what I'm saying. (laughs) He won one game (laughs) against the Raiders with the magic of the new. The guy just got fired. Ooh, moral victories. Yeah, we specialize in them. (laughs) We yes. Uh, I don't know, man. How did like you went into that fourth quarter at 19 to 21 and you ended up giving up two scores more than the Vikings did in what is one of the most embarrassing games they've ever played in their history. And it was you almost did all of that in a quarter. One touchdown short of of experiencing that entire Vikings game in a quarter. How about a bonus party foul for McCarthy though in a second consecutive like not even laugher, like bell a belly laugher where it's a 30-plus point spread. He's playing Micah Parsons. What? Why? What are you doing? That's who McCarthy is, man. That's, that's who he yeah. is. I mean, um, that is a party. You're so right. That's so a that, party foul. But it's like genetic that, at this point. The Colts were my party foul, but I'll give it to um, American Soccer. Defend the cross. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 like... You know, in football, when the guy is wide open, he puts, like, the moss, he puts his hand in the air and signals, hey, yeah. I'm open. Dutch players were doing, like, soccer is not a game where you're supposed to be that open, where you have time to signal the guy who's going to pass the ball 100 yards across the field. Um, that was happening in the in the Netherlands-USA game, and the U.S. deserves that result. That was uh, I do a, a not classic know what case of poor... poor Backdoor defense. Uh, yep, not great. Look, welcome to American football. I don't, I, I don't know what you expected. Um, <laughs> well, the speaking of expected, the expected points favored the United States, Arif. So, what did they they lead in one. XG or something like that? 
they their XG was better than the Netherlands. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know how to how to yeah, f- uh, famously the good ball. Fish- finishers. The United States. Yeah. All yeah, the way the going back to that. Josie Altador. They're so good at that. <laughs> Alta- I would have loved God, an Altador. That was going to be a career joke. team. It was like, all right, we've got one creator and uh, some good, like a good That's midfielder, it. and no one else who a can like, real good creator. Shoot. And then you know, yeah, <laughs> no one to create to. Like yeah. having Chris Paul on the uh, Washington Generals. All right. Uh, <laughs> that's the show. The Minnesota football parties on Mondays and Thursdays. Luke Inman uh, should be back on Thursday. We'll see about that. Ron Johnson will join us, though, that day. Arif Hassan. I want, I want their Network. takes on American football. <laughs> let's ask them. All right. Oh, great. Fantastic. All right. Let's, get, let's, let's uh, lean into it. The Minnesota football party will be back on Thursday. Luke Braun, Arif Hassan, I'm Sam Ekstrom. Thanks for watching. Thanks uh, to Matt Derry and Matt DeBritz, and we'll see you next time. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.